You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. Hi, I'm Tim Robertson, and this is the MyMac podcast number 229. On the podcast this week, David Cohen and Owen Rubin join me to talk about Hulu pulling out of Boxy and what that says about big media. Then David and I are joined by Mark Rudd to discuss iChat and why you should be using it. And finally, in the third and final segment, Guy, David, and I talk about cloud computing. What is it? What it means to you? Thanks for downloading the MyMac Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to show uh, 229. This is the 229th weekly podcast for MyMac.com. We're starting out the show this week with a segment on uh, Hulu getting off Boxy and what that means, new media, old media. But first of all, I want to thank Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this podcast. Check them out at otherworldcomputing.com or, much more simple, MacSales.com. They've got a lot of good stuff up there, David Cohen. Woohoo! We love Mac Sales. We love them. We're going to be talking about them more in the future, and uh, I hope they stay as an advertiser, David. Not not for the money, but just because they got a lot of products that I like to talk about. Yeah, in fact, I've noticed actually they've started advertising in Mac Format magazine um, with British pricing as well. Oh, that's awesome! Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. So you know they're pretty aggressive about getting their name out there, and um, they're one of the better suppliers, I think. Now, next week's show, we're supposed to have an interview. You remember the the guy who did the podcaster app that was initially rejected? Uh, we did an oh, interview yeah. was with it, him. Was it Nick, Nikolai no, or uh, Alex Sorinsky. Oh, Sor- right, right. Okay, yeah. Sorinsky. I'm probably mangling his name, and he's listening right now, so I apologize for that, Alex. Um, he's supposed to be on next week's show, and he's going to talk about his new uh, application. It's going to be really, really cool to get him back on the show. And it's called RSS Player. It's basically the same application minus the directory of podcasts. You have to manually put in your RSS feed for whatever the podcast is that you want to download. But what's going to be cool about that, David, is unlike what's going on with the iPhone right now uh, with uh, downloading podcasts, there's no cap on you. It could be over 10 megabytes, which okay. I just don't understand that with the new iPhone, that you can only download a podcast that's 10 megabytes or less. How many podcasts are less than 10 megabytes? I suspect that was uh, something that AT&T bleated about and uh, and Apple just said, okay, if that's the way you want it. But we'll talk in a minute about, uh, you know, the views of the of the old corporate world as opposed to the new media world. Yep. We also got some, uh, you remember a couple shows back, I talked about my daughter's MacBook getting cracked. Yeah. Yeah, I've got an email from Martin, and Martin says, uh, I thought I'd get in touch after hearing about your daughter's MacBook case crack story. I've got a white MacBook, and the case is cracked twice along the front edge of the inside case. I'm pretty sure it's just a basic design fault caused by the two protruding rings running along the top of the lid. On the second time that it took mine back, I managed to get to talk to the engineer who fixed it, and he said it was the whole top. That he said the whole top had to be replaced. That's basically the keyboard and the trackpad. He didn't hold much hope for its lasting without breaking again. That's why. That's kind of a discouraging to hear that he's had to take his in twice, David, and the guy who fixed it says it's, this probably isn't going to fix it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, this happened to me when I had a MacBook. Um, I, I got the same problem and I got it replaced with the warranty. What I did after that was uh, was two things to try and mitigate the problem. First of all, I put one of those um, clear, um, tough screen uh, wrist rests on the on the wrist area because I thought having something extra on top of the rubber would give it a little bit of extra um, protection. And the other thing I did is that I started making sure that I never picked up the MacBook uh, when it was closed by the front. Oh, so that's I was an never idea. putting the full pressure of of uh, you know while I was holding it onto the front edge. I always picked it up from the back so that effectively um, you know because of the because uh, uh, it was in the back the lever the lever would mean there was much less pressure on the front. And then, you know um, the, the thing is it's it's intuitive to pick it up from the front. That's the exactly. way you feel like you should be yeah. picking it up, yeah. Yeah. Or even two so, hands picking it up on the side would probably be a really exactly, good idea. Exactly, yeah. So, so we all so, grab it right from the front. We push up on the bottom of it as we lift, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So so that's what I started doing, and I, I didn't have the problem again after that. But um, uh, obviously, you know, if you've got the new unibody MacBook, then it's got, not going to be a problem because the thing be is carved, yep. carved from aluminium. I, I wonder if uh, the new MacBook Pro and the MacBook with that unibody construction is uh, that's why they went with this route, so they don't have these kind of uh, inherent flaws. They I could keep be worrying about breaking the glass. Yeah, that's true. Um, we got three segments coming up on this show, just like we did last week. Uh, the first one is going to be about Hulu coming off Boxy, and we've got Owen Rubin joining us for this segment. Hello, Owen. Hi there. And uh, next segment, we're going to talk about iChat. We're going to have me, David, and Mark Rudd's going to join us again, and we're going to talk about iChat. And for the final segment, we're going to talk about cloud computing, which we probably should have had Owen on for this, David, because uh, he's kind of an expert at it. But we're going to have mm. you, me, and uh, Guy Searle. I'm just going to sit in the back and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Hulu, David. Uh, let's start with you. Hulu really, everybody loves Hulu, at least they did up until this point. Uh, Hulu was yeah. a, a conglomerate of different content providers posting their stuff online. Yeah. Uh, Hulu is basically it's a, a joint venture between NBC and News Corporation. Yeah, which is um, Fox. Exactly. And, um, yeah, you know, when, when Hulu first launched, people kind of said, oh, this is a service that doesn't make oh, any they, sense. they poo-pooed it. I did, too. Yeah. I thought, Hulu, who's going to do that? But I, it got big. It, it got really... It, it has. It's turned, into, it's turned into quite a success. Now, one of the things with Hulu is you, you up until recently, you could have Hulu on Boxy. Boxy is a service um, with software that allows you to um, get content onto your computer or, more importantly, onto your Apple TV. This is the um, first time. This, is, this Boxy was what made me hack my Apple TV, which is something that I was w- unwilling to do until I saw how easy it is to hack with Boxy and all the new features that it comes with. I mean, it was super simple. Exactly. But what was announced this week was that uh, Hulu... Well, who, not this week, but a couple weeks ago. Uh, right. Yeah, well, but what was announced was that Hulu somewhat sheepishly um, forced Boxy to uh, say, well, you can't carry us anymore. Um, and I say sheepishly because the, the Hulu CEO actually blogged about this and effectively said, well, the content providers made us do it and, you know, we, we, we don't really agree with it, but, you know, they supply us content, so we have to do what they say. And so Hulu is now gone from Boxy. And um, Why do you think you know, they would care? Why do the content providers care? Yeah, right. in I this think, case, why do they care? Because uh, I think they have this old media view of the yeah. world, which is that you know they can monetize the content uh, uh, 
with with ads if they transmit it to a television um and then they can monetize it for a different rate if they send it to a portable device or to a um or to a computer and i think they want to keep those two things completely separate but the thing is I, that boxy did not preclude you from seeing the ads that hulu had built in which is yeah. obviously what NBC and Fox, and remember, Fox owns MySpace. You would think that they would completely understand this new uh, online world we live in, but I think they own oh, it. They, they understand they're it clearly. They understand it clearly. I think that's exactly why they pulled it, because they know they can make a lot more money by video that sits on a TV screen. If you look at advertising rates, for example, the advertising you rate you pay rate you pay for a video that's on a website is much different than you pay for a video that shows on a television. Yeah, but that's a flaw in their business model. And in fact, you know, I agree. Here again, it's just the same as it used to be with music DRM and video DRM. Because of their business model, the consumer has to suffer. And what's actually going to happen in this instance? People who want to watch content on their TV, digital content, are just going to go to the torrents and download it directly. And they'll watch it with no ads. Yep. So they really are cutting off their nose to spite their face. And, and it, you ca- I, in today's age, I just don't understand how these guys can just turn around and ignore the reality of the situation and think by, by being heavy-handed in this way, they're actually doing themselves any favors. When do you well, think I that- would, I- I'm sorry, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, when do you think that this attitude that they have, the content providers, and they're not all like this, but um, when do you think this is going to change? I, I, the, only, I, the, only, the only way I think it will change is when they realize that there are more views online than there are in, on TV. Um, do you think that's you know, true, though? Well, I, I'm not, I, I, don't do. th- I don't think it's true at the moment, but, but I think it will become true. Look, y- you in the U.S., you're just going through this digital TV transition. I know it's just been delayed, yep. but, that, but that is starting to happen now. We've, we've had digital TV here in the, here, here in the U.K. Um, for quite a few years, and we are also going through our transition now. In fact, we're probably a bit further ahead than you are because it's a smaller country. When you go through dig- the digital transition and all of a sudden you go from having just a TV that plugs into a cable or into an aerial and you just get whatever comes through it into something that because it's going through a set-top box or an integrated digital tuner can do lots of cool things like you know dvr and you can you know you can pause live tv and and rewind it and skip through the ads and all that sort of thing once you've got those sorts of capabilities it opens you up to the prospect of saying, well, actually, maybe I don't need to watch this content on my TV. Um, it's all digital anyway. Maybe I can watch some of it on my PC, and maybe, maybe I can watch some of it on my <coughs> Mac, and maybe I do want to download it to my, uh, to my iPhone or my Apple TV and what have you. It, digital TV makes people think you know, of TV as a more of a computer-type medium than right. analog TV is. And so I think over the, over the next few years, you'll see... Internet TV and TV on digital devices will go through the roof. And at that point, their advertising model breaks even more because if they're not getting the millions of viewers on transmitted television, then they're not going to get advertisers anyway, and they're going to have to shape the business model up at that point. Now, now, Owen, you probably remember just as well as I do, we had a conversation with Daniel Berlofsky, young um, 16-year-old computer guy at Macworld (laughs) Expo. And uh, I asked him the, the question, yep. "Do you watch TV?" Right. Yep, and he said no. But then you then asked, I asked him, him if he watched TV programs. Yes, and he said yes. Yep, and that was a perfect example. I, he doesn't own a television. That's what he said. Well, you know, his he parents watches, do. 
his parents do, but he watches TV on the computer. Yep. Uh, I would. I agree with David. I think, and and you know, I've been in the digital TV realm, David. I've gone, I go back to the mid '90s where we were doing original digital TV way back then uh, yeah. for Pac Bell. I truly believe the era of broadcast television is coming to an end. And when I say broadcast, I mean um, serially streamed media, v- video media sent at the time and choosing of someone else. I just think it's it's going to disappear, and especially as more and more devices like the Apple TV box can bring you the TV program when you want to watch it. I mean, I, I'll use TiVo as a perfect example. So TiVo started with exactly what David was saying. You could position your TV programming anywhere you want. Well, that means you already now have uh, the ability to watch whatever you want. Now, if I can get that TV across the Internet, which the TiVo boxes do, then why do I even need a broadcast signal? Good question. I don't know. I think that nothing's going to change until people in our generation that's in their 30s and 40s right now start moving into the top positions in the old media type of companies like NBC, Fox, CBS, ABC, BBC, um, Al Jazeera TV. (laughs) You know, when, when it's our generation that's there, that's calling the shots, that's telling the lawyers what's what. That's telling the PR people what's what. Um, You're right. The, that's what the it's executives, change. the executives of the large companies today, and, and it, you can see you saw this happening with digital downloads for audio. Their mindset is around selling units, a unit being an hour of television or a DVD or a CD, uh, and they have a terrible greed factor. I just read a slight diversion that Star Trek is coming out on Blu-ray, and I'll bet you that Star Trek, the original series Star Trek on HD, will sell for about two hundred and fifty dollars. A, wow. a year, a season. This is a TV show that's been on TV for 35 years and made millions of dollars for him. Why not sell it for $35 and give it to everybody? Yeah. And this is the greed that these guys have. So they don't get this idea of, quote, free broadcast over the Internet. They don't get how to, how to make it work. But, you know, uh, it's kind of the consumer's fault, too, because when the VHS first came out, and some people say the Betamax, in, in the mid-'80s, I say everybody, Betamax. yeah, everybody went out and and bought movies on VHS. Um, right. Eventually, TV shows started coming out on VHS, and we were buying those. Then this thing called DVD came out, and we went, "Wow, this picture quality is so much better." So what did we do? We all went out and bought the same content we already owned on VHS, but this time we got it on DVD. DVD. Now you can go the same thing with with um, music. We had the the album. Some people even had the eight track. A-tracks, um, cassettes. Cassette, CD, and now everybody's waiting for the Beatles to show up on iTunes. Well, how many Beatles fans don't already own all the Beatles songs that they already want? I mean, what's the big deal with the Beatles coming out in iTunes? Well, people well the next be- one will be digital, will be audio DVD. No, that, supposed to come out. no that's, that's dead. That, that technology's already been dead. Um, think? Yeah, I know so. Um, none of the players are selling at all. In fact, there was only four... Uh, companies that were making players, and three of them already dropped out. So, yeah, that's a dead oh. technology already. Um, but you're right. People keep replacing the media. Yeah, the next the media next is, streamed, so, is streamed down. So now they're looking at Blu-ray, and they're saying, wow, we can sell Blu-ray of the original Star Trek series, and all the Trekkies out there are going to buy this again, and they're going to spend $75, you know, $50, whatever it's going to cost. For No, it's got to be a couple hundred. Star Trek on standard DVD is still $86. It came out at 130 bucks. It's still $86. So you know Blu-ray is probably going to be 150 when it first comes 150 out. 150 to 175 yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But people are going to buy it, though. 
Because I don't yes, care how good the the download that you're going to buy, it's not going to look as good as Blu-ray. It's just not. Um, yeah, but blu- I'm sorry, Blu-ray on a on a 50, 40, 45 year old show, that's going to look pretty bad. Because no, I've it seen it. It was it was never designed to be. Yeah, but they're, to be they're, transmitted they're, that no, high resolution. It. It, it looks it, good, David. David <laughs> it I've really it. does. They yeah? took the uh, Star Trek original series was fi- was done on film, not on yeah, not on. So it was done on film. And all the special effects have been redone, so there's all new special effects. Yeah, inserted. I know they did that, and it actually look, it actually looks fantastic. The funny part is they can't do next generation on on Blu-ray because it wasn't filmed in high def; it was filmed in video standard def. So the old one can, the new one can't. They'll yeah, they remastered it. Absolutely, yeah. and it's actually beautiful. Yeah, I must it, admit, and it looks really, it. really good. Um, a lot of the older stuff that they're spending the time and effort into remastering looks great. Unfortunately. Uh, they're notoriously cheap, and they're not remastering a lot of the really good old stuff like Battlestar Galactica. They're not remastering that. So when you get the DVD copy of Battlestar Galactica, it looks like garbage because they didn't remaster it. Yep. And uh, yep. that's going to be a problem going forward. So, But I, I think this is definitely a subject we're going to want to talk about in the future as time goes on. Maybe Hulu will convince NBC and Fox that this is probably a bad move, embrace the new technology. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never yes. know. If those guys are smart, what they'll what they're doing right now is talking to Apple on how to get on there directly. Yep, on the Apple TV. I mean, th- this just the way they do it. You'll notice that every time one of those big studios pulls their themselves from a service, they end up adding it to their own website. Uh, I just wanted to comment. I have how many boxes do I have now that try to get internet on television, including that snazzy box that you sent me, Tim, that I actually found an update for, and it still it still needs. Technology that works well, and seeing the Apple TV fall out of being able to use Hulu is kind of sad because it was the closest to the best thing there was. Yeah, but unfortunately, the Apple TV doesn't do it um, naturally. I mean, you have to hack the Apple TV to do it. Apple doesn't support yeah. it. So, unfortunately. And, when, and every time Apple updates the Apple TV, all these things break. So I don't bother to update my Apple TV until I know for a fact that um, Boxy has been updated to the latest version of the Apple TV. So I use a Mac Mini. Yep, and that's probably a better choice. So we're going to wrap this segment up. We're going to be right back with uh, Mark Rudd and David Cohen and me talking about iChat. Stay tuned. And we're back, and we're joined by uh, Mark Rudd, David Cohen, and myself. Hello, Mark Rudd. Hey, hey, good been, to be back. Good. Thanks for uh, being on the show last week, and we're glad to get you on another segment this week. And uh, yeah. are you going to join us for our inaugural um, Geeks Gone What? No, that's not it. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Geekiest, Geekiest show, show ever. ever. Now, you, you, did, you did all the, the website work for that. Well, if you want to call it website work, yeah, I mean we're we're uh, setting up our site right now. Um, I gotta say, a- we we I've got a, a friend on Twitter named Jason Hansen, and uh, he did some artwork for the header, and his his friend did this character, this knobby kneed geek, and Donnie Ankelo did one as well, and and we were trying to figure out how to use both of them, Mark Rudd and I, and we were emailing back and forth and Mark would change, oh, yeah. change something and I would go up there and make a change and just really wasn't coming together. I mean, it looked okay, but it was like, yeah. eh, I don't know. Jason, Not where we wanted it. Right. Jason went and, and created the header on his own 
And it was just great. And Mark said, perfect. Went and grabbed that gra- graphic and put it up on the site. <laughs> there it is. So yeah. thanks a lot to Jason Hansen. But this segment, we're going to be talking about iChat. Do you guys use iChat a lot? I use it all I the use time. I use it some. Yeah, I use it some. Yeah, every now and again. <laughs> now, every now and again. We obviously use Skype when we're doing the podcast. Right. But when we're not doing this podcast, I hardly ever launch Skype. And if I'm sitting at the computer, if I'm going to be sitting at a computer for more than, say, 10 minutes, I always fire up iChat. That's where I, I keep in touch with people like Bill Palmer and um, whoever. I, that's where I, I chat with people. Not necessarily voice, usually text, um, because, you know, you just can't talk out loud to your computer for 10 minutes sitting in the other room. It's kind of rude to everybody else in the house. You prefer it. I, I prefer text chatting because it gives me the opportunity to take my time, form a coherent thought and respond intelligently instead of the first thing that just pops up to my head, which is what I'm going to say if we're, you know, orally chatting. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't use it. They think that they have to sign up with some kind of an iChat service or that they have to do something through Apple to do that. And that's just not true. No. Mm -hmm. If you no, it, go ahead, go ahead. No, it, it it's not true at all. And in, in fact, there, there's a few options that uh, that you can't do with iChat that you can with Skype. But but for what it does and and what it is, it's a it's a great program, and it's getting better each time, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Now, one of the things that's really cool about iChat is if you already have an AOL screen name, and if you've been online for say the last ten years, you probably do. You can actually use your AOL screen name. In iChat, so you don't have to sign up for a mobile me account to use it, David. That's true. That's uh, how I also, use it. I don't use yeah. a mobile me account. You, I mean, it's worth saying as well. You can sign up for the tri- if you don't want to buy mobile me, you can you can uh, sign up for the trial mobile me account, and that will continue to work with the with iChat even once the trial's expired. Yep. So um, so that's a that's another handy tip as well. Um, and uh, what I like about iChat is it's a very easy program to use, um, you know, like so many things on, on the Mac, which means that, um, you know, for non-technical people, uh, if you want to if you want to do video chat or, um, or audio chat, it's something that they can understand how to do fairly easily. Yep. Um, one of the things that I use it for a lot, I don't want to say a lot, but often, is when I need to send files to people, uh, let's say I'm, I'm chatting with, um, you, David Cohen, and we're on iChat. And yeah. I got a really cool piece of music that I want you to hear, like, I don't know, the new MyMac theme that was uh, recorded for us by Victor. I can literally drag that MP3 file name onto your screen name in iChat window, and it will send you the file. You just simply click accept, and it comes down to you. Now, a lot of people think, well, yeah, that can't be very fast, can it? You know what? Sending a file through iChat is like 10 times faster than email. It's faster than uploading it to an FTP server and then sending that link over to somebody like Mark Rudd for him to download a file. It's faster mm-hmm. than posting it up on, um, like, you send it or something like that and having them download it from there. It works really, really well. I don't know why the vocal quality in iChat isn't as good as Skype, but when it comes to transferring files, and I'm talking large files, I've been sitting on uh, iChat chatting with Bill Palmer, uh, text chatting, of course, uh, although sometimes it's, it's vocal. Um, and I've sent him like 50 megabyte files, and it's only taken like three minutes to transfer it to him. Now, that's going yeah. up from my computer and then down on his. That's really, really fast. 
And I'll yeah. tell you, that that's a lot better than Skype or anybody who's used Skype. When you're trying to, uh, in, in the program, you're doing a couple of different things. When you try to send some of the files on, on the Skype client, it, it doesn't always work fast. Yeah. Sometimes it slows down. One of the nice things about iChat that I've used quite often in the past, especially with relatives who ask me, can you help me work on my computer? You can now do screen sharing on iChat, and it works extremely well. In fact, I was talking to one of the MyMac staffers out there who is getting an Apple TV, and I was trying to explain to him how he can rip his DVDs and how to use MetaX to put that metadata into it. So when you bring it into iTunes, you know, it'll have a cover. It'll say what it is. It's, it looks a lot better. And plus, it's going to be a lot smaller on his Apple TV than an entire DVD would. And the easiest way, instead of spending, you know, 20 minutes writing out a very comprehensive email and sending it to him, I simply did a screen share. I took over his computer, and he sat there and watched me uh, set everything up in um, Mac the Ripper. He saw me drag a file over into MetaX and where to put the data. Uh, how to clean up the file name so MetaX can actually find that data on a- Amazon. And it just worked extremely well. And for something that would have took, you know, multiple emails back and forth, he could actually watch me do it on his screen. But not just watch me. We're chatting live over iChat as we're doing it. So he's saying, you know, it, it, he might touch his mouse and I can say, hey, stop touching your mouse. Oops, sorry. <laughs> and it and just nice- works. And the nice thing about, in addition to the screen sharing, is through the Quick Look technology in Leopard, you, know, you can share you know, things like photos, slideshows, you can do keynote presentations, movies, um, and in that beautiful uh, screen that, that Quick Look gives you, which, of course, you can use it to see a lot of other media as well. But that's another addition that they've added to it. So it, makes it, it kind of changes the whole screen sharing, adds more uh, usability to it. Let me go back. I'm looking at our Ustream chat room by the way if you guys want to uh, follow the my mac podcast live as we're recording it check us out on ustream.tv uh jeremy north asks, do you need a mobile me account to use iChat?" and uh pat said yes jeremy actually no you do not need a mobile me account to use iChat. if you go up to the aol.com website and sign up for a free aim screen name that will work in iChat. The reason it will is because Apple actually doesn't run the network that the iChat network runs on. That's AOL's AIM network. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind whenever people hear about AOL going out of business, maybe. <laughs> iChat is running on their network. So we don't yeah, want AOL to go away. I'm sure Lee Gibbons is listening somewhere. Thanks, yeah. Lee. Yeah, thanks, Lee. We, we appreciate the AIM network and iChat. <laughs> exactly. uh, now, there is a new AIM client out there for the Mac, and I heard it's, it's really great. It does some really cool stuff. I haven't downloaded it yet and used it because I, I really like iChat for my everyday Internet chatting needs. Uh, voice, yeah. I can do um, video with it. Everyone knows all about the video. You can have multiple people in your video chat and in iChat, and it just works really well. Now, sometimes if someone has a bad connection, it looks and sounds like crap, but I don't care what technology you're using. If the connection is bad, that's just going to be the case. Yeah. Can you uh, imagine Skype working as well? I can't. I don't know. Skype video has been getting better than, than it used to be, but uh, I still find it can be sometimes be a little bit buggy, um, whereas iChat, you know, for... So, as you say, sometimes if the connection's bad, it can be, it can look a bit horrible. 
but it, it, it you know it doesn't really have it's never for me anyway never crashed and um, you know, I've always been able to get something going. Uh, I, I mean, uh, we use it all the time when my parents are away in, in Florida to uh, to keep in touch with them. They have a they have a Mac with a um, an external eyesight camera on, um, and it's nice just to be able to uh, to get the Mac going and you know get get my son in front of the camera and then they can speak to him and see how he's doing and all of that. And it's um, it's a really nice service for that. That's what I was using it for in California during the MacWorld Expo. I would do uh, video chats with the family, you know, and my wife would sit down at her laptop and uh, she'd put the baby in her lap and, and Brooke was in the picture too. So two of my kids, not all four. <laughs> the other girls were like, yeah, I'll see them at the end of the week, no biggie. Uh, but the younger kids, they want to see daddy and they don't want to just hear me on the telephone. This way they can actually see what's behind me. I did a live chat. I believe uh, Owen Rubin was sitting next to me when I was doing this. And uh, I was in the media room, and I was chatting with them, talking. I had headphones on, so I wasn't bothering everybody else. But I was literally lifting up the computer so they could see what was behind me. And, and it's very powerful. You could really connect so much better in a video chat with your family when you're gone for an extended length of time than a simple phone call. And this exactly. is free technology that comes on every single Macintosh. Other than the Mac Pro, which you're not going to take on the road with you anyways... Um, every Macintosh out there has a built-in iSight camera. Well, the Mac Mini doesn't either. <laughs> but all the laptops and the iMac, something that you probably exactly. would take with you, they have the built-in iSight camera. Now, that's a microphone and a camera, so it works if you want to do just an, an, an audio chat and iChat as well. You don't have to buy a microphone. It's already built into your computer. It's part of the iSight camera. But to be able to be somewhere else and have this video chat with your family is this great? You can make the video picture your entire screen. So depending on this, I guess if you had a 17-inch MacBook Pro, it might look like they're really sitting there. <laughs> I noticed yeah. a lot of other people were at uh, Macworld as well using iChat. You know, I, I'm, I remember walking through the halls and seeing people kind of curled up in little corners all over the place and looking at their computer screen and talking with headsets on. So it's a, definitely a technology that's being utilized a lot more, I think. I think that iChat is one of those programs that everyone has on their Mac. Those who use it understand how powerful it is um, and what really they can use it for. Uh, it, you can use it as a business tool, as just a personal tool. Those who don't use it and it's on your Mac and you're thinking about, wow, you know, I never really use that. If you know anybody else out there with a Mac, get hooked up with iChat. You don't have to sign up for mobile me. It won't cost you a dime. Go up to AOL and sign up for an AOL screen name. And uh, start using it. It's really powerful technology. It will really keep you connected to those you love and those you need to contact with. And uh, it's simple to use, which is probably, let's be honest, guys, that's probably the most impressive feature about iChat. It's really simple to use. Exactly. So, As with yeah. all Apple products. Well, I don't want to say all, but the majority. The majority whole thing about yeah. Apple's products are uh, they're user-friendly. Almost mm -hmm. anybody can pick yeah. them up and start using. So, hey, Tim. Yep. One other feature that I'm wondering, have, have you considered using, um, and they've added it now to, to the new version of iChat, is uh, iChat uh, recording of the either video or audio or both. Have you checked that out? I haven't looked at that feature yet. Um, something I have to look at in the future. Maybe we can uh, revisit iChat in the future and, and talk about some of this other stuff. If yeah. anybody listening uses iChat in a certain way and... Uh, uh, you want to share that with us, send us an email to Tim at MyMac.com. Let us know how you use iChat, and uh, we can share your stories right here on the podcast. But that's going to wrap up this segment. Mark, I want to thank you for joining us this week for the segment on iChat. And uh, I invite you to come back again real soon. 
And uh, we'll be right back with Guy Searle, and we're going to talk about cloud computing. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Take my love. Take my land. Take me where I cannot stand. I don't care. I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. Take me out to the black. Tell them I ain't coming back. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. I found serenity You can't take the sky from me And we're back and I was reminded by looking at our Ustream.tv chat room Robert Hazarig, a MyMac.com contributor is in there right now and he was talking about and he was talking about what we really need is to include iChat on the Apple TV, David Cohen That would be awesome it would. Um, I, I suppose you'd, you'd need to. I mean, to, to really get the best out of it, you'd need to have the camera built in as well. I don't know if but, you have the c- camera built in, though. The placement of the Apple TV would kind of be important. I would see yeah. it more like a, a USB stick, uh, maybe a little swivel base. I don't know something that you could route on top of the TV. You know how like the Wii has that little motion sensor bar that sits on top yeah. of the TV. Yeah, yeah something, something <coughs> like that. Yeah, just clips clips to the top. Absolutely. But that, that would be that would be very cool. And, and so, the Apple well, how, TV. How about this? How about this instead? You've got a keyboard with a USB. By the portal. way, everybody. By the way, everyone. Guy Searle. Oh, hey, <laughs> Guy Searle is joining us the week, this week on the podcast as well. <laughs> and we're going to talk uh, about cloud computing, which we'll get to in a minute. But this whole uh, iSight and iChat on the Apple TV is too intriguing. Okay, well, like I was saying, how about this? You got you have a uh, wireless Bluetooth keyboard that connects up to the Apple TV. The keyboard itself has a USB port that you can plug in a little webcam, and essentially you're going uh, with you know texting via the the keyboard and video via the little webcam into your Apple TV out through into iChat. Well, you know the Apple TV currently has that USB port on the back, David. It does. Um, that I but, would imagine. They, yeah. I could imagine they could do the camera on that, and for the keyboard, well, just use an iPhone or iPod Touch. There you go. Hmm. Yeah, but at the, sa- at, the sa- at the same time, it, it really depends on where you have your, your Apple TV located. Well, again... You know, it, if you're doing it from the couch, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, there he is. He's way over there. Exactly. But the, again, that's why you would need an external camera that would, you know, like a little 12-foot cable on it or something. Oh, my God. Or, or one of those... Um, the, the Wireless the Bluetooth. Yeah, well, they, or, or they, some of the some of the um, video conferencing suites have the have a camera. It has a little motor in and a zoom lens, mm-hmm. so it will actually track you around the room yep. as you. Uh, or you can use your Apple TV, or I mean your your uh, iPhone, a little app on there that you see exactly what the camera's seeing, and you can adjust it right from your iPhone. Pinch yeah. and zoom you, using your your fingers. Let's uh let's jump into cloud computing for our last segment on this week's show. And again, once again, I want to thank Otherworld Computing for sponsoring the podcast. We cloud, love the MacSales.com. Uh, David, what's cloud computing? Well, I, th- I thought we should talk about this because it's a term that you'll, you know, all the media guys on uh, you know, CNN and everything talk about this now. Um, and so I thought we should talk about what it is and what it isn't. Um, cloud computing effectively is, is using 
um, services up on the internet, which uh, whenever you draw a network diagram in, in IT or, or computing, you tend to draw it as a cloud. Um, so that's where the term comes from. So it's using services on the internet instead of using services on your computer to store data. And, and really the reason I was bringing this up, there was, there was some, there's been quite a lot of announcements from Google over the last couple of weeks. Um, Palm is also, um, is also, uh, you look then their latest handheld device effectively doesn't sync with your computer. Everything goes up to a cloud service instead. Uh, and Microsoft is also looking at doing this as well. So rather than, if you look at take mobile me uh, as an example, if, if please, yeah, <laughs> I wish somebody would. But MobileMe is not really a full cloud service because what MobileMe does is it allows you to sync data between different Macs. And MobileMe kind of sits in the middle and manages all of that. But what, what's not so easy to do with MobileMe is actually just say, to your, say, well, I want you to sync everything up to the, to the server, and then that's where it stays, and that's the central area for everything, and then it comes down to, to other machines. MobileMe is more about going from one Mac to another, whereas a, a real cloud computing service is when effectively the server is, uh, the thing up on the Internet is the source, and everything else synchronizes to it. So Google Mail is a very good example of a cloud computing service because when you receive your mail, it's received on the cloud in the Google Mail server and you can access it via the website or they have ways to allow devices like your computer or your iPhone or anything to synchronize to that data. But effectively, the master copy is always held by, by the server system that, 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 the, um, that Google run. And this, is nothing, so that, this isn't a new concept either. This is something that Larry Ellison at Sun was talking about in the late in the, 80s. In the 90s. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Network yeah, computers that don't have an operating right. system. It just pulls it offline. Everything you do... About, yeah, yeah, software as a service and, and, and was another term for it as well. And you're absolutely right. But the thing is, until recently, it was a pipe dream because we didn't have the bandwidth to make this work. Yeah, the internet wasn't we, robust enough to handle it. And no, honestly, I, David, I still say it's really not... We could do some simple stuff like word processing... Uh, email, that kind of thing, but well, we're it, really it, not at the point where we can start doing video work online. It, it no. kind of depends on on where you live in the world. I mean, you know, we Absolutely. here in the U.S. like to think of ourselves as being, you know, all the way up in technology no, and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes to, to how much bandwidth that an individual can receive between their service providers and their computer, here in the United States, we're we're way woefully behind the times. There are places like Japan and Korea... They have fifty to one hundred, you know, megabit services where we're we're getting oh we're getting six woohoo you know it's like ooh okay no big deal. Yep. Yeah. And um, the real advantage of, of of you know these sort of services is obviously you don't need to uh, you don't need to um, you know back data up because it's always backed up for you because the service provider is backing it up. You know if you if you could keep your mail on Google Mail, well you never need to worry about backing up mail again because every mail you ever send or receive is stored by Google. They give you um, – my accounts now is about 7 gigabytes or something like that, um, and I'm using a tiny fraction of that for all of my mail for my Mac and also my personal mail. Um, and I can go to any computer on the planet, whether I've got software configured on it, whether I've got any sort of control on it or not, and I can see my mail. And as I, long as I you find- have a browser. As long as you have a browser, but which you know, which computer nowadays doesn't have an internet connection and a browser on it? It's pretty rare. And it's not even necessarily a browser that you need with cloud computing. 
when you look at something well, like you, you need some kind of internet interface. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. but it could be an, an an app that does it. Uh, in fact, a lot of the GPS stuff that you're doing on your iPhone nowadays is considered cloud computing because it's stuff that is pulling it. Well, actually, it's above the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. satellites. But yeah. that, in, in effect, is kind of cloud computing. It's stuff that you couldn't do without that Internet connection. Well, let me ask you something real quick then. Uh, would you consider the new AOL client to be kind of cloud computer-ish? Go ahead, David. Uh, well, I, I've not used the new AOL client, so I can't answer that one specifically. But unless you're storing the data actually on the server yes, remotely, and that's you the are. master copy. You are. All your mail is there. Uh, you, the, the client itself is just more or less a, a web browser. An interface. Yes, and right. it, well, it's more or less a web browser. I mean, and, and it used to be the AOL software had everything already built into it when you installed right. it on your computer. That's not the case anymore. They update it on the server side, so the next time you log in, you know, it's updated. Um, I, 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 think you'll, I think you'll find more and more people are offering these sorts of services, um, and, and you know, the computer will become less relevant as a place to store the master copy of the data. And that, to me, that's the real difference. You know, I use Google Mail, I also use Google Calendar, and I have multiple calendars from different different services like my work calendar and my uh, my a work calendar for a different client and that sort of thing all going to Google Calendar and that is the master copy and I know if I synchronize my Macs or my iPhone or my Blackberry or any other device to the Google Calendar then I always get the latest version that's updated and any changes I make get replicated back and I, to I me that go ahead to me, that's incredibly powerful. I think that uh, what's really important to consider when you're thinking about cloud computing is that it doesn't matter where you are, your data is there. That's Because right. it's all okay. in the cloud. So okay, well, then if, there's, there's one other thing I'd like to add to that is remember that your data is only as safe as the company that keeps it. I think that goes now, without I saying. I don't think yeah. we have to worry about Google so much, but there well, are other... Maybe. And, and, yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, there's other cloud services that are being advertised now. There's a lot of, you know, this is this is very similar to what we saw in the '90s with all the the, the business dot coms. Is that all of these services started coming out, and it was going to be the next and the greatest big thing, and then they all started failing because, for the most part, they didn't have a business model or a way to monetize what it was they were doing. Well, I think that so, you could look at what happened a few weeks ago with Facebook. Uh, Facebook changed their terms of service, basically saying that anything that you upload to their service becomes theirs. They can use it forever. Uh, you could do- you could delete it, but they're going to keep a backup. And it outraged a lot of people, including our own David Cohen. It did. I said at the time, uh, everyone needs to relax because they're going to get a lot of bad PR. It's exactly the wrong thing to do. Facebook is going to realize it really quickly, and they're probably going to go back to their old terms of service, and that's exactly what they did. But Facebook, in in essence, is kind of cloud computing. Your pictures are yes, stored yeah. there. You have chats there. There's nothing on your computer. It's all That's up right. in the clouds. So there's a lot of different definitions. I know a lot of people want to put cloud computing into the, it's it's this. It's SAS. Oh, no, it's not. It's stored data. Or, no, it's not. It's shared data. I think it's all of those things combined. And it gets really confusing to a lot of people. What is cloud computing? I think it's a really a bad term, to be honest. I don't think that it's it's fair to um, places like Facebook that's doing cloud computing and that you're doing chatting online, but there's nothing on your computer. It's all out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd completely agree with you that um, you know Facebook is a cloud service, and and um, you know anything that that is kind of fronting up a website, and the website is the is the is the you know the is one of the main repositories for the data is in, in my mind is a cloud service, and everybody is trying to get into this space now, and I think I think you're right, guy, to to say that you know people need to be careful. You need to th- you need to think about the you know what you're committing the when you put data. Right. Yeah, when you put your data into a service like that, because if they go bang, then the data could be gone straight away. And, and, and the other thing to, is, go ahead. Sorry. And, well, the other thing is the security. You know, you, yep. we're we're so used to getting these uh, end user license agreements and these uh, terms of service, and just clicking the box at the bottom, yeah. and not reading them, and you just can't do that because you might be really signing your life away. Yeah, a lot of people think that you know, well, if they did anything with my data, I would sue them. Well, you know what? Well, you don't know you where that, that little box. Well, not necessarily that, but you don't know where that company is located. Uh, you could be here in the United States and the company could be in Germany and they have completely different laws there. So when you start talking about cloud computing and legalities, there's a lot of um, maneuverability there and you got to be really careful. And I think until we start coming up with a, a consensus in laws when it comes to privacy, uh, that's always going to be a concern. And I don't see that being addressed anytime soon. I yeah, mean, you just—the Pirate Bay is a good example of that. You know what they do is right, clearly yeah. illegal here in the United States, in the UK, and pretty much yeah. everywhere. But where right, they happen to be copyright law, right? But where they happen to be, um, it's interpreted as it's not illegal, so companies can't go after them for sharing, you know, bootleg stuff. Uh, although they don't yeah. actually store anything, they just store records of where it's at. Right, the torrents. Yeah. Right, but that's yeah. exactly what happened with Napster back in the day. It was they didn't actually have uh, files yeah, but, at Napster. But Napster was accessible though. Well, so is the Pirate Bay. I mean, well, but Napster was here in the states. Exactly, that's what I mean. They, they could go after Napster because they were here in the United States, um, whereas the Pirate Bay dot org. They're, they're not Sweden. here. Sweden. Well, yeah, but they're, they're they're currently being sued. Actually, they're in court at the moment, yeah. and um, they're uh, putting up a, a, a spirited defense, I believe. Yeah, I think I think the last thing I heard was that about half the charges have already been dropped. So, That's right. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more to cloud computing. This is a conversation that we could actually talk three segments through, but unfortunately, we've only got the one, and unfortunately, we're out of time. Hey, so Guy Searle, David yes. Cohen. I'm Tim Robertson. We're out of here until next week, and we'll uh, see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast.